Welcome to OKHR Leads, hosted by Tara Crowley and Rob Trotter. I'm Tara Crowley, and my current role is OKHR Certification Chair, and Rob is Sooner HR's President, and we're getting ready to roll off of these, so I don't know how our intro will be going forward, (laughs) but we're also on OKHR's board, and we are connecting with leaders in our community and also afar and hearing their story and what makes them tick. Hey, Rob, what's happening? Hey, Tara. Um, I, I got nothing. I, I was trying to think about what I was going to say in this little opening, and uh, I'm like, oh, I, don't, I don't know. Except that I, I, I'm excited for next week when people listen to this podcast. It'll be after the announcement, so I think it's safe to say that uh, this podcast is an award-winning podcast, and we get to have that celebration next week and talk about us being a, a finalist for the Pinnacle Award on SHRS. And um, I oh, hold yeah. you way more responsible uh, than, than me and certainly all of our guests for that. So that's that's very exciting. Anxious to see what yeah. that's gonna be like next week. I know. I know, so Kevy, <laughs> guess what? You get to you get to win in all of this that uh, uh, on the finalist of a Pinnacle Award, so nationally recognized award. So right. anyway. La, 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 la. I've already said our guest name, so I'm going to introduce her. Sorry. But we have Kevy Micus. So I'm going to say Kevy Grimes, but Kevy Grimes Micus. And Kevy is a regional leader for HR and compensation consulting for Arthur J. Gallagher. Uh, the unbelievable thing about is Kevy landed a job in comp consulting out of college and still blazes this trail. She lives in Tennessee. Uh, with Oklahoma as one of her territories. And while she does live in Tennessee, Kevy has spoken at OKHR state conferences on a few occasions. And luckily for me, I knew her before she was such a big deal because we went to college together at OSU and we were in the same sorority. So I personally have a love-hate relationship with compensation. So I hope we get down to brass tacks and she gets to tell us about all of these ideas and comp strategy in the world. So I'm so excited for everybody to meet and listen to Miss Kevy Micus. Hi. Hello. Thanks, Tara. Appreciate the the loving and warm intro. So it's it's great to be with you. I know. I'm so excited. So you're in Tennessee, and that is how far away from here. So you normally fly here, but if you're driving in a car, how long would it take to get to the Oklahoma City area? Uh, about 10 hours. Okay. See, I just need to hop in the car and come see Kevy, or she needs to come fly see us more often. True. Well, Kevy, tell us about your background and how it led into your career and what you're currently doing, because compensation consulting is its own niche, and I'm really excited to get there. Well, absolutely, and uh, just, again, appreciate the opportunity and, and the um, invitation to join you. It was um, an honor and, and very excited to, to share the story and, um, you know, be able to kind of provide some insights because quite honestly, everybody's struggling with this topic right now on, on how to recruit, retain, reward uh, talent today. So my professional and personal journey is, is a combination of, you know, divine intervention and influences from several people in my life, um, namely my dad and my greatest mentor and former boss. 
Um, while my birthplace and current home is Nashville, uh, my family re was relocated to Tulsa when I was one. Um, my father was asked to start the Ford glass plant there. Um, and, and growing up and, and certainly in high school when, you know, um, impressions were being made and thoughts were being considered about career, um, I, I was struck by my father's leadership style, meaning um, he walked the manufacturing floor every morning, greeted employees, and we're talking probably, you know, several hundred employees, knew them by name, um, and he was just so highly regarded. And, and certainly when you think about the 80s in a union environment, um, you know, he just was authentic in his care and concern about the people. And um, that really um, was just impactful for me. And I was able in high school to um, get an internship there specifically in their HR department. Uh, so I saw, you know, kind of the, the back room, how, how things um, got done, but also what was put forth as most important in the organization in terms of culture. And, and that just really, you know, sunk in for me. And so therefore, when I uh, went to OSU, uh, go Pokes, um, I pursued a uh, degree and, and attained a bachelor's in business administration and, and actually minored in HR. So I, I think I am a little bit of an anomaly in terms of, you know, doing what um, the degree that I pursued in college. Um, now, from graduation, uh, my dad at that time retired and uh, wanted to get back home. So back to Nashville, um, they went, my parents, and I followed thinking, you know, this could be a gr great change and career opportunity for me. And, and, and it was, I, you know, out of the gate, met a gentleman at uh, church here who was a leader at Vanderbilt in their HR department. And he connected me with, um, and I was able to get kind of my first real job um, through VTS or Vanderbilt Temporary Services in Vanderbilt's recruitment office. And then I uh, crossed paths in um, the uh, junior chamber events that I would attend with um, someone who pointed me and connected me to what eventually became my uh, great boss and mentor, uh, Karen Saul. And she was a director of HR for Craft CPAs here, a regional accounting firm. So I got a job as an HR uh, generalist and at the time, what was amazing is I was supporting the organization internally as an HR person, but Craft uh, started to um, identify and form affiliate organizations. And so they spun out a consulting firm. And so, you know, being early talent and still really not knowing um, all I needed to know, I was able to wear a consultant hat early on um, by helping some of our clients find and, and place controllers or CFOs and 
started to do compensation studies, certainly with help of, of others. But I just learned early on that this was, this was my jam and I fell in love with it. Um, so fast forward, um, Karen eventually bought out the partners and um, you know, was a, a 100% owner of the HR group, a um, regional consulting firm. And she was just an amazing mentor for me. Um, you know, to be a woman in business, uh, to be a powerhouse in our uh, community, highly regarded. And uh, then she eventually sold to Gallagher in 2008. And so the journey has been for me just um, incredible in terms of seeing the, um, the change in uh, organizations, uh, the, the role and the need for the role of HR to be um, what I think now is we don't serve the business, we are the business yeah. in terms of this, you know, organizational um, ecosystem now that has, has changed, particularly in light of um, pandemic and, and many other things. So I, I just have, it's been a tremendous journey and I fell in love with it early on and get to work with a lot of organizations and have a team behind me, certainly of subject matter experts. So I probably know just enough to be dangerous and rely on people who are, are smarter than I to help deliver on our clients' needs. So there you have it in a nutshell. Yeah. yeah. So, so I know, so I was in the same program as you um, in college, but I was a year ahead. So we didn't necessarily have any classes together, but I thought it was really interesting because we did take courses like um, labor and union type and then compensation. And I, uh, hold on, hang on. I've kept it. This is my college book for about compensation because I hated this class so much that I have kept it. <laughs> so, I, I hear your words, Tara. I, I, I mean, if, if, if they could come to me, it would be impressed, um, concerned, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I but I kept the book because it was like it was one of those things that was such a struggle for me to kind of gather the con concept of like here's how you're putting pay grades together, here's how you're leveling people up, and it's so you know I think a lot of people need things to be black and white, and HR is never it's never black and white, and especially if you're looking in compensation and you're saying I have to put somebody in a box, it's so. I don't know. It just kind of makes my brain kind of uh, melt maybe a little bit. That's why I think I need, need help or need, I mean, I get it. It's like, okay, this job is this, uh, you know, like, I don't know, I'm going to say a driver and you're going to put them in this kind of ranking grade. And then you have another role that's an office position and you're saying, Hey, we're at the same level. It's so crazy. It's so crazy. Well, it is or, or it can be. And, and certainly it, it's this beautiful blend of, um, you know, data, but also, um, you know, just an intentional focus of how to how do we reward uh, people and uh, what are the, the things that we're going to consider? Uh, certainly some are 
scientific in nature and, and things that you need to um, follow in terms of how it should be done. But I, I think we're seeing more and more, particularly in this, you know, what you've probably heard, the great resignation, the turnover tsunami, um, with, you know, people having more options now, everybody kind of hunkered down in, in 2020 during the pandemic and, and didn't leave their employer. And, and now 21 is just, you know, kind of open season. So employers are, are really struggling on, you know, how to respond. And, and while uh, kind of the first go-to is typically compensation, um, you know, that's not necessarily sustainable over time either, just to, to continue to, you know, increase base pay or the hourly rate. So, you know, now more than ever, I think it's about looking at the totality of how you're rewarding people. Um, you know, when, when we work with clients around compensation, what I tell HR people um, and, and our partners is, um, you know, it's helpful to be able to work with folks who do this day in and day out. And also data is important. And for, for HR people, it can be somewhat cost prohibitive to buy data. Um, and, and then you want to ensure that you can uh, ensure credibility with the data, use multiple sources, not just rely on one. Um, and, and oftentimes people are, are coming into their office, an employee may say, well, I looked on salary.com and I should be making, you know, 20% more. Um, but, but what you have to understand is some of those sources are really more crowdsourced um, data sources versus, um, you know, from, and, and I'm not saying they're not credible, but just understand, um, you know, where that data comes from is important. Um, and, and so, you know, you're also seeing in today's environment um, just tremendous transparency in terms of, you know, whether it's required by state law, I think we're seeing more and more of that um, certainly um, come on the board. But also, um, you know, one of our clients is a, is a huge chain of um, gas stations and quick serve restaurants, I won't name them. Um, you know, but you're seeing people post their hourly rates and, you know, how many paid time off days they get. And, um, you know, really just have to put themselves out there to, to try and become that, um, whether you want to call it employer of choice or just an appealing competitive employer. And there's just so much more that goes into that today, I think, than historically speaking in, in terms of traditional compensation. Um, and, and so, you know, variable pay is is really, um, I think, a larger percentage now of total compensation. Uh, so we work quite a bit with uh, organizations on short-term incentives. Now, don't get me wrong, you, you really do need to get base pay right. So that's kind of the, the table stakes, if you will. You've, you've got to, to start there, ensure that you're, you're competitive uh, with, with what the market is saying. And your market may be different than, than others. It's about where you uh, recruit talent from and where you lose talent to. 
Um, and, and those are the types of questions that we ask our clients and understand um, kind of where they are getting talent. And then, um, you know, really ensure that, again, you get that base pay um, in line and appropriate. And it could be, you know, a traditional structure. It could be kind of a hybrid of, you know, um, traditional structure, but with a little bit of, you know, broader pay bands. So it really depends on your culture, your organization, the pace at which people, um, uh, you know, kind of earn that knowledge, how quickly they need to kind of move closer to maybe a midpoint. Um, so all of those considerations, there's just kind of this large cadre of things that you have to consider. But going back to variable pay, I think that's a, a big one. That's a big lever now. Um, we're even seeing and talking with clients about um, even LTI or long-term incentives being leveraged um, for positions in the organization outside of C-suite. Things like a deferred comp or kind of a golden handcuff plan that you would traditionally only see for C-suite um, with certain, you know, tweaks and creative ways to structure those are, are, are now being pushed down into other layers of the business to help with retention and, and create that um, golden handcuff where people you know, have that opportunity, but maybe the runway is shorter to be able to um, get to that, those dollars, yeah. if you will. And then just considering benefits and culture and all of those other things that go into a reward package and not just ex exclusively focus on comp and, and conveying and communicating that is, is huge and, and kind of touting that um, as part of your brand is, is really important. Yeah. All right. So I have a bunch of questions out of this just from talking in all of these different lanes. Number one, data analytics. How has that changed what you're doing and or we're saying with HR as a whole? Receiving data analytics, how, how do you see that? I mean, I'm just saying the word data analytics. Where does your brain go? Oh, I, I think that's... Um... In, in order today, particularly, I think now more than ever to have that competitive advantage, um, organizations have to ensure that their strategies and tactics are informed by data. Um, yeah. So, you know, for example, whether that is even just understanding your unique workforce, we happen to have, um, Gallagher has, has developed a proprietary tool that we call workforce evaluation. And so it's, it's really a robust census that, that gathers our clients' data and you know, dissects it in a lot of different ways in terms of um, career stages, AKA generations, um, you know, um, their selections and their benefit plans, retirement readiness, all of those things. Um, and in that, you know, asking people to identify key talent um, and, and to where you can see where those people are. And, um, you know, if you've got a lot of key talent that are landing in early retirement, um, you know, having some of those aha moments in terms of, you know, how have we prepared that next level uh, to be ready, the knowledge transfer that needs to occur, 
Um, so workforce analytics is, is huge and something that, you know, I'm very comfortable with and love working with on a daily basis to, to really help our clients make, again, those informed decisions. I think also, um, you know, engagement data um, is, is important uh, as, as well as um, benefit preference. We're doing a lot around that right now in terms of um, benefit preference surveys. So, you know, you can bring a, a lot of benchmark data in terms of, you know, what, what should you be paying in premium or what your contribution strategy should be for your benefits um, to identify, okay, what are our benefits going to look like for 2022? But to make some assumptions oftentimes is what we see in terms of um, HR departments um, going a, a certain direction and you know asking the employee population can be very impactful. Uh, a couple of examples of that, we had a um, client whose population you know identified and, and don't laugh, but uh, pet insurance was more important oh, than right. Ability, right? So, right. but they were kind of going down this, this path of, of, you know, what they were going to have in place and it didn't include pet insurance. So all of that can be so, so powerful and um, informative to help you make the right decisions. And, and also it's just about asking the right questions as well. Yeah. Golly, I have just so many, I mean, I still want to go back to our first part of things, but then the pet insurance, I'm just going to say this real quick. So I think they said like late 60s, early 70s, that people bought insurance themselves. It wasn't through businesses. And then businesses started including it. And so then now it's just, if you go to a business, you expect that there will be insurance. Well, we even asked, or we kind of brought up the idea to our executives of pet insurance, like these are trends. And they were like, wait a minute. We still, you know, people need this part. We're not ready to, to jump there, jump there yet. I mean, it was just like, okay, you know, here's a conversation, but it was like, wait a minute. I mean, I get it that this may be a trend, but not. Okay. I'm being ADD. I'm going to jump back to, um, so you're saying some long-term incentives for persons, golden handcuffs, like in my brain, I'm thinking stock options. Do you see that if somebody's in a different generation, generational, generationally speaking, that this may work with certain groups and it doesn't with other groups? Because, I mean, the point is you're saying, hey, we're going to give you this benefit. It may be stock options. You're not going to be able to cash them out at this point, but you can in X amount of time. Do you see that works better with certain generations than it does with others? You know, and, and again, I really rely on a lot of our experts. I mean, we've got, I've got people that I rely on who this is all they do all day, mm -hmm. every day. Mm -hmm. So I do more than compensation. It's, it's really, you know, broader uh, HR, but you know, so, so in terms of either the, the funding mechanism, the, the, um, the, either the tool or the product that is used to be able to, um, you know, distribute uh, uh, an award, 
can be stock mm-hmm. options, it, it can be, you know, cash, wh- whatever. So it's really, you know, kind of the, the design that is going to be unique to every organization. So I would say, um, you know, we've seen it used particularly for high potentials or organizations, um, the folks that they've identified as high potentials to mm-hmm. kind of keep them with the organization. Um, you know, you might see short-term incentives be pushed, you know, kind of um, at other layers of the business that, again, are more, you know, kind of cash-based. Um, but there are ways that, again, those long-term incentives um, vary tremendously. But I think it's, it's really about um, designing a strategy where you really do understand your um, organization, your population, what their needs and preferences are. And I think, you know, asking people what is most important to them, you know, what's, what would keep you here? We're talking to people a lot about stay interviews. Don't wait for exit interviews, do stay interviews. So you can understand, you know, what keeps you here? What would prevent you from leaving? Um, Ask some of those questions around compensation design, or again, what is more important, um, to them. So I would say it's less about generations and, and more about, you know, where do people, um, how do they want to, what's their journey? What's their desired journey in your organization? You know, you've got some who are, are, are in their happy place being an individual contributor. You've got others who want to, you know, kind of move and expand in the business. And then you've got others who just, you know, see it as a job. Um, and, and we, we need all of those folks, right? Right. So it's just about, you know, understanding, um, all of that and, and trying to do the best that you can and make those informed decisions. So I hope that answers your question. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think that we're all in a, you know, we're in this weird spot right now where you've talked about the great resignation. Um, what are some other terms that they're, they're calling it? Uh, turnover tsunami. I've heard that. Yes. Yes. Well, I read an article this week, I think it was an ink that said they were terming it the boomerang. And the reason they were saying that, and so you're shaking your head, mm-hmm, is that people who've left or maybe we didn't have, you know, groups didn't have an opportunity for them at the time because 2020 was a hard year for people that it is people are coming back. I mean, like they've had their break. Are you seeing that trend or do you have any information about that? What are your thoughts? Uh, well, I, I would agree in terms of um, people coming back or revisiting, you know, either decisions or whatever the case might be. I think um, I still see this after effect of um I just know every day I'm talking with clients around how do I get people to to want to work or come to work or stay here once I get them on board. So, you know, it. it I think we've we're, we're we've turned a corner in terms of you know the 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 um, season of um, extended. Um, unemployment benefits, if you will, where, you know, people could make more staying at home. Um, So, you know, I I think there is just this rapid shift in terms of um, people's readiness 
and, um, you know, desire to, um, you know, be in an organization, what they want to be doing, how they want to spend their time. So there's just a, a huge shift. And I, I certainly think that that is part of it. You talked about it earlier about um, basically transparency, transparency of, of rates, of benefits, of all of these things. What do you think that's good? Do you think, what are you seeing with, because, you know, I, I feel like if we're ever posting a job, you get more and or better candidates for persons whenever you list what the, what the salary is going to be than somebody and or, and or you're not wasting your time or their time. Because if you put this description out there and that person wants 40000 more dollars than what you're willing to pay, hey, it's not a good match and you've just wasted each other's time. So what, sorry, you started to speak. <laughs> I, I, I would absolutely uh, agree with you. And, and I think, you know, as a business, you just have to also think about philosophically, what do, you know, we believe in, how transparent do we want to be? But I will say now more than ever, people are being more transparent and, and just putting it out there, or that's what they're leading with. Um, I was talking with a client the other day that that said, I can't get people, you know, my application um, rate is decreasing. And they're a significant organization with an amazing mission, very well known, um, where historically that was enough, right? And, and it still is for many people. But I talked with him about, you know, lead with people who may not know you or yes, fortunately or unfortunately. And, and I think he was kind of offended. Like, I, I feel like I shouldn't have to, to do that. And I said, well, not that you have to compromise your values, but you, you should put yourself out there in terms of why are you a desirable employer? You know, don't, don't start with here's what the role entails. Start with, you know, why you would be silly not to come, what you're missing out on, why you would be silly not to come to work for us, you know, and whether it's full transparency in terms of the rates or it's, you know, just descriptions around, you know, very competitive above market pay, you know, amazing benefits. So you can support your family. You know, you've got to put a, a real marketing spin to it I in know. terms of branding that. Um, and, and That's why I always work with your communication department too. Right, right. <laughs> you know, and like kind of be different and fun and, and don't recruit from your job description. Have what I like to call an opportunity prospectus, you know, and, and, um, you know, kind of just, you've got to be different in terms of yeah. how you go to market. Yeah. You talked about incentive pay or really kind of some things that were, were different. And um, I, I, you know, I just think about some, some times where we've been in some markets and we've had, you know, other competitors that were saying, you know, this group is offering so much more or so much different and then as a business leader, I just respect my leaders whom I work with so much because, you know, it's that whole thing of can they sustain that? And you talked about that earlier. 
Um, you know, can you give us an example of or where you've you've kind of handled that before or gave some some advice in that arena? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, in terms of um, you know working with an employer who I think was was trying to think outside of the box a little bit in terms of what are some other um, things uh, rewards um, that we know are going to be meaningful or that we've learned are meaningful for. Um, our population or the role that we're really struggling, you know, to hire for and, um, you know, put that out there. It's not always about replicating what your competitors are doing because then that just becomes commoditized, right? It's, it's, um, you know, be distinctive and, um, you know, you still have to make decisions physically for your organization and, and define what's, what's sustainable. Um, and a lot of it too, is just how you communicate um, your, your offerings. I, I think that gets missed so much in organizations as it relates to, you know, you could have like the, the best, the, the sexiest package out there, right? Um, but if you don't communicate it or, or really kind of tell a story around why, um, then it, it's really kind of dead on arrival, if you will. So I think um, we've worked with organizations on total comp statements in, in terms of um, you know, really portraying to existing employees even, um, here are all the, the ways that we are investing in you and your family. And those go to the home and you've got a spouse or a partner or a significant other who sees that and is like, wow, I never really, you know, they do a lot for, for you, for us. And I didn't realize, you know, all of these other things, you know, you keep talking about, you could get a dollar more down the street, but really, you know, when we look at everything, that may not necessarily be the case. So you've right. got to inform um, and, and kind of manage the expectations of your people. Um, and that's a good way to do it. And then when you're trying to lure talent, I think how you, um, again, you put that marketing spin on, you know, why you're different, why you should come to work here and, you know, what, what's in it for them as, right, as an right. individual. Right. I keep thinking about the, the payroll HR system that we currently use, which I know this is small. It's a small thing, but I don't think that some of our employees see it all the time, but it has a benefit listing, a benefit summary, and you can print it out and it, and it shows here's how much you contribute, but this is how much your company contributes. And I don't think our employees you know, necessarily know that unless they're looking at that sheet. And it's like, oh, <laughs> those are expensive. Yeah, yes, they are. So, yeah. Um, so what are you seeing? I mean, we talked about some trends as variable pay and things like that. But what is a current trend that you think that we need to be aware of that, that you know, somebody, let's look at it, let's, that, you know, you need to be aware that this is coming or, maybe some tricks of how to address it. 
So um, I could talk all day about that. I get, I'm super <laughs> passionate about it. And, um, you know, it's, I, I think it's a variety of things in different buckets. So, you know, I think HR leaders now, um, you know, need to kind of step back and think about what is the employee experience here? Um, when we focus on employee well-being, that ultimately translates into organizational well-being. And so in that employee well-being space, um, I would say that um, resiliency and um, emotional and mental well-being is huge right now. Uh, the, the degree and um, significance of burnout and, um, you know, I, I would say is kind of a residual pandemic and um, employees need support and, and employers, I think, are well positioned to provide it, whether it be revisiting your EAP um, to, you know, how can we uh, look at and break down barriers, even in just how we work, because the nature of work is changing so much. Uh, and, you know, employers having to um, plan, you know, workforce strategy around maybe a hybrid workforce model where you've got some in the office, some remote. Um, you know, and how do we sustain yet evolve our culture? And, and how do we do that today in this new environment? And so that is huge. And I think that's going to continue to be um, very relevant and very front and center. Um, and, and so, you know, getting, keeping your finger on the pulse, I think um, now is a great time to do engagement surveys. So you get a sense of um, how employees are, are feeling about things. Um, and, and what's fascinating to me is, um, and, and we have a team at Gallagher um, that is exclusively focused on engagement and they're all PhDs. And I, I love um, spending time with them. I learn from them constantly. And what I've learned is engagement is fluid. It changes. And so engagement in each organization is also different in terms of the factors that influence um, engagement. And um, so I think that I would encourage HR leaders is a great place to start to understand where your workforce is now. And then it can help inform some of your action planning going forward. And so just being very intentional around what you're doing to be supportive to the employee experience. And, and you know, everything has changed. How we work, how we live, um, in light of the pandemic. And so, I, again, I just think that survey effort to, to really understand where people are today and, and where you need to focus your energies going forward. Um, and then I'm, I talk daily with people, uh, what are some creative ways or considerations to 
evolve your, um, you know, recruitment strategies and bringing talent in and engagement and retention strategies. So that could be a whole other session in and of itself. So I hope that's helpful. Yeah, I I love that you bring uh, you brought up engagement surveys, and because you know my group, we've had some survey. I mean, I, I know that you could you could get on SurveyMonkey and and ask questions, but I also know that we my group has had um, connections with some way to do engagement surveys, but then also ways to to lead the leader. And to be more engaging or give them some tips and tricks. And so is that what your group does? Do they, is that, is that what they do with their engagement part? Absolutely. I'm not familiar with Gallagher's. Yeah. And, and I would say too, particularly when you think about, and from my perspective, I think two areas where if, if you think about partnering with somebody, whoever that is, um, that's comp you know, because of the the need for data and expertise. And it's also nice to kind of separate yourself and say, hey, we used a group that focuses exclusively on this. They know what they're doing. I did not have, you know, a, um, not that you didn't have a hand in it, but, you know, it kind of separates you as an HR leader, which is nice. Engagement is, is the other one. And, and, We've seen that response rates increase and um, the comfort level, if you will, of being transparent and and the degree of transparency that employees feel comfortable with when there's that anonymity and and they, they feel comfortable knowing, hey, my responses are going to this third party. Um, but you're right, Tara, what's, what's important is what you do with that information and then ensuring that, that leaders are equipped to know, um, you know, how to take action. And so um, you, you actually can do more harm um, by doing a survey and, and doing nothing with that information than having not done one at all. So that's important to, to preface um, the rest of my comments. But yes, we, we have a tool, a system that we leverage to really tailor um, engagement questions and categories, um, inclusive of you know, relationship with manager, compensation, training, um, diversity, equity, inclusion. Um, is is another key area of focus and and a, a great um, category of inquiry with your with your team members, and then you know it's it's not just about the results, which are very robust, yes, but uh, our system allows leaders in the organization access to their data where they can kind of slice and dice. Right. They aren't able to see um, comments as it relates to who said what to protect those individuals, but we spend time going over those results and and helping them to actually action plan and come up with what are the top, you know, maybe it's three things you're gonna focus on and and to not, you know, be um, overly excessive with what you try and take on, um, you know, because people's ability to absorb change is, is, you know, kind of lessens during, um, you know, an overabundance of of priorities. 
So um, helping people and leaders to action plan, prioritize, and then the system itself is this innate you know, opportunity to, um, to execute on those because you can go in and see where you are, update where you are. And it, I think it keeps that um, accountability in place for leadership teams, which is tremendously helpful. Um, I, I think I've seen where people do a great job in getting that information, but then they don't execute on it. So I think we can, yep. we help yep. them know how to execute and what information to, um, that bubbles up that's unique to them on, you know, where they go from here and what to prioritize. Wow, wow, wow. Um, I've been sitting here just listening, soaking all this in. It's just incredible. My brain's about to explode. And I, I have a list of questions that have been popping up that uh, I don't know where they fit in, but I just want to kind of get them out before Tara starts asking her um, fun questions as you were. But uh, this one goes for my sister who lives in South Oklahoma City, one of my biggest supporters, but not really in HR. Can you explain what are golden handcuffs? Absolutely. So it is basically um, measures that are in place, kind of embedded in the, um, the way that you structure a compensation plan that uh, basically means you've got to stay here X period of time um, in order to you know, get the money, if you will, and, you know, if you leave, you're, you're leaving money on the table. So right. it, it kind of hints the term, it, it kind of creates that, that golden handcuff. It's right. this incentive mechanism that creates a, an embedded retention strategy with it. Okay. Great question. Yeah. And then um, transparency. Uh, I feel like companies are becoming more transparent, but um, is it still mostly the urge of organizations to kind of keep salary and those items kind of, you know, below the line? Uh, and why do they continue to do that? Below the line uh, in terms of competitiveness term, or below the line in terms of, you know, kind of under the radar, quiet, let's right. not. Yeah, exactly. I'm, you know, working for companies that like, you shouldn't be talking about your salary to other employees. That's not how we do things. Uh, and then, you know, out there competitively as well. All right. So as it relates to um, transparency in terms of um, you, organizations do have to be careful in terms of policies in place. So you, you can't say, you can't tell people or have a policy in your handbook that says you can't talk about compensation. Um, it, it's interesting under the National Labor Relations Act. Um, you know, even it's applicable for non-union environments. So for employees to be able to talk to one another about work conditions, which does include pay, um, is considered protected kind of concerted activity. So in terms of that piece of it, we, we do need to be careful and not prohibit kind of talk amongst, you know, um, counterparts. You're, you're just not gonna be able to, to really kind of um, control that or stop that from happening. In terms of how transparent do you wanna be about pay, you as an employer putting that forth to your population, 
again, I go back to, I think, you know, understand, not understanding, but just, you know, determining what is your stance? What is your philosophy? What kind of culture do you have? Are you a very, you know, open and transparent culture in general? Do you, do you share information uh, frequently, you know, about the business and otherwise with, with your people? So mm-hmm. I think just align to your, your strategy, your, your culture. And so you could be, you know, a little transparent to a lot transparent. I think it is helpful for people to see, okay, I, the, the role that I'm in, maybe I'm an accountant and I know that the minimum, you know, is X and the maximum of that salary range is Y. So I can, I can see how I can grow and, um, you know, kind of further my earnings potential with an organization, I think it's very, you know, impactful and to, more importantly, even in that vein, equip your managers with the ability to be comfortable in having those conversations um, one-on-one with employees. Um, So I think, again, you can either decide to share just the overarching, here's our compensation program, here's our, you know, here's how you can grow in the organization to sharing with an individual employee, here's the salary range for your role to, you know, kind of John Doe, what, you know, even to the point of how you're gonna handle um, and understand, particularly for managers, how does movement occur? So typically, you know, just for, for, you know, information's sake, movement from minimum to midpoint um, you know, once somebody reaches midpoint right. of a range, that's really kind of indicative of I've, I've really, you know, kind of successfully conquered my job. I know what I'm doing. I, you know, I'm, I'm rocking and rolling here. Um, movement beyond mid, midpoint is really more around performance and merit, if you will. So I think just, you know, determining what that strategy is and equipping those who are going to have those conversations to, to make sure that they can um, maximize those communications and, you know, not stub their toe as well. Okay. Um, and listening to you talk, I was also just curious, this just came up. Um, are you following, aware of, and maybe even have an opinion on companies like Netflix, who has what I would consider a out-of-the-box thinking benefits package where there's no, uh, there's unlimited vacation get your job done, just whatever it takes and, and do that and how that impacts the companies or, or, or what other companies might consider doing that. Or that, that person, uh, I think it's in San Francisco who just said, I'm going to pay all my employees, no matter what your position is, $70,000 a year. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, what's, what's the results of, of that? And, and should companies consider this or, you know, are you kind of tracking that? How, how does that fall? Mm-hmm. No, I, I love those are great questions. Uh, so I would say to you, what we are seeing is only about 4%, 2 to 4% of organizations that are, you know, kind of throwing it all away and doing kind of this unlimited vacation. So it, that, that possible strategy has, you know, has been, uh, you know, kind of tossed around or 
out there for you know a minute or two, but we're we're really not seeing people um, embrace that to you know high degrees. Of course, you've got you know Netflix and and you know uh, employers to that um, size that may be embracing that. We're doing a lot of work, ironically, in that space around paid leave. And so whether it be um, revisiting the, um, the amount that you give, the timing in which you give it, um, also uh, do you bucket it all together as PTO? Do you keep it separate and kind of that traditional vacation, then sick leave? It's been interesting, I will say, that there's been this appetite to, you know, kind of transition to the PTO. But once we start to dig in and work with clients, and particularly those who are multi-state, um, you know, when you start to do the research, um, which is inherent in what we do, you know, you find there are maybe a lot of state laws. And th this is uh, coming on board more and more across the U.S., where you know states are starting to you know kind of put in you know payout clauses, et cetera, you know all sorts of required you know kind of paid leave that that could impact your budget. So we're kind of seeing people retract and going back to that not or that traditional you know vacation bucket, sick leave bucket because of uh, some of the the state law barriers, if you will. Um, so it's been, it's been interesting. So not so much on, Hey, you know, it's, it's unlimited, but I think in terms of even outside of a vacation and a sick leave, expanding those offerings to be, um, personal time or, you know, kind of revisiting your holidays and, and adding in some, extra kind of personal um, holidays that people can choose to um, take advantage of that um, maybe don't align with how we've defined, you know, traditional holidays that are observed um, to, um, you know, VTO, volunteer time off. Mm -hmm. That's big, particularly for um, kind of early talent. Um, you know, spending time and doing things in, in the community, giving back. So I, I think it is important to just revisit what are those um, offerings. But I will say, interestingly, not seeing a huge percentage of employers go that direction. Um, and then your other question, um, remind me, sorry, I got so uh, wrapped up. Yeah, it was a big question right there. I was asking about that company in San Francisco that uh, added uh, everybody's $70,000. And if, if you're seeing signs that stuff like that work or if, uh, if they're struggling with that. Not seeing that a lot with employers that we're working with. Um, you know, I, I am seeing people are just thinking in very non-traditional ways, which is great and getting more and more creative. Now, again, is that something that could, is sustainable for that organization? What's their trajectory of growth? What, you know, is, is that going to work for them? Gosh, I hope it does. I hope it, you know, the, those employees thrive and, and, it, and it, it's a strategy that works for them. We're just not seeing that a, a lot. People, 
you know, and mind you, we, we have a varied client base, I would say, um, you know, we are largely kind of a mid market, um, you know, provider of support. So we're working with, you know, not those jumbo employers, but, um, you know, people I think are just trying to use their budget dollars very strategically as opposed to a um, kind of a, that peanut butter approach and it versus kind of spreading the what historically has been pretty small percentages of merit increase budgets. So um, not seeing that a lot, but gosh, I hope it, I hope it works for them. Right. Well, I appreciate that. I think uh, I'll give it back to Tara now. She's got some more questions for you. We've talked a long time and I still have more yeah. questions, but that's the, that's the benefit of having um, a bunch of questions that we may not get to all of them. So we've had great conversation. So um, I do have one additional question before we get to our end questions. So my, this is, what is something that you just haven't learned yet? Gosh, Tara, you know, <laughs> I, I would say um, there's, there's a lot. I mean, I, I am someone who is uh, always in relentless pursuit of um, furthering my ability to be, you know, kind of the best version of myself. Uh, not only as a professional, but quite honestly, you know, my most important job is uh, raising two amazing, you know, human beings to, to put out in the world. And um, so I'm constantly trying to um, better myself. And uh, not only just through reading, but being inquisitive with with people and learning from others and then also self-reflection i um maybe i got it from my dad um as you can see i i think the world of him i think he hung the moon um but i thankfully it's been to my advantage have a pretty high emotional intelligence so i'm constantly um you know kind of looking inward in terms of how can I improve? How can I learn from this? And then, you know, reading situations um, really well and, you know, hope, hopefully, you know, helping others in, in their journey too. So that wasn't a real specific answer, but there's a lot. There's always yeah. something that I can be better at, learn from, and improve upon professionally, personally, spiritually, emotionally, all of it. Because we can't stay stagnant. So thank you for not staying stagnant. And you've talked about two things. You talked about your dad, which reminded me of our podcast with Steve Brown, where he, he, he made a comment about he has met all of the persons that worked at his locations. He knows their names. And so that solidified that with me. And then also you talked about doing any type of survey giving feedback and whenever you've gotten the feedback and you you've learned something what changes did your business do because of it it's so important to communicate it with your employees that it occurred and that reminds me of carolyn shockey that we talked with so you yes. you 
landed on two things that we've spoken with people. And so if you've heard it twice, then it sounds like <laughs> you should be doing something with that information. So we have had the best time talking with you, but we always have end questions. So they're, they're quick and just off the top of your head. Are you ready to do this? Yes. <laughs> In the past year, what has been a revelation to you about yourself? That I am stronger and more resilient than I gave myself credit for or that I realized. Yeah. What mantra do you use for yourself and that you like to share with others? You know, I'm, I'm a passionate person. I do everything, you know, kind of in, in relentless pursuit of, of what I'm passionate about. And I, I think just being, um, you know, thoughtful, kind in anything that you do, you know, having the filter for yourself, you know, is it true? Is it necessary? Is mm. it kind? Um, and, and just, you know, being, again, the best version of yourself. Yeah. Authentic. I yes. So copying from Brene uh, Brown's podcast, what do most people get wrong about you? That uh, because I, you know, am kind of this professional presence that uh, I'm not fun and I am fun <laughs> and can be funny. <laughs> And um, I snort when I laugh, when I really get, you know, when something's really funny. So, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll, so we'll need to snort laugh soon. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What recent TV show have you been obsessed with? Mm, I would say, um, oh my gosh, shoot, Tara. I don't know. I've been, I've been bench watching a lot of stuff on, on Netflix, but, um, I I've, I'm, I've gone back to watching the big bang theory, like g going back to those reruns. I, I love it. It's, it's light. It's funny. And, uh, yeah. So the big bang theory. Good answer. Good answer. That was somebody <laughs> else's answer way back in episode zero. <laughs> Um, so what book or podcast has had the most profound effect on you and how it changed you? You know, I love anything from, um, Lencioni. I mean that I, I his books are, yeah. yes, are, are just very, um, influential and have also shaped the way that I think I, um, you know, put myself forth as a business person. So that's one to give an example. Okay. Okay. So we don't have any more questions. Heavy, you filled our time. I'm so thankful that you said yes. And before we get off, we have to say goodbye to Meredith. So it's yes. So bye, Mary. Bye, Mary. <laughs> but thank you so much. This was so awesome. And I, you know, I know that there are plenty of questions that we did not ask and, right. you know, if, if people want to connect with you because, um, this, the compensation group is also within Oklahoma that you are, are consultant for, how can they connect with you? 
Absolutely. So um, best way to reach me is Kevi, K-E-V-I-E underscore Micus, M-I-K-U-S at A-J-G.com. And I would be delighted to answer any questions or have a conversation. Perfect. Well, this was so great. So thank you so much. We've had a blast. Thanks for having me. All right. Until next time. <laughs>